Hi, and welcome to the River of Light Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Father, I thank you for today, this opportunity to speak into our men's lives, your men. Father, I just pray for grace and truth today to come from your word and to get into every person here, especially our men today, Lord. I I pray your anointing and your blessing on our time together. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go ahead and be seated today. Thank you, worship team. Another fantastic job. Didn't they do an awesome job today? Appreciate them. Amen. Well, this is uh, one of our special services today, a special opportunity as a church. Uh, I love to do this as a pastor, and that is to have a baby dedication, to dedicate our little boys and girls, our little kids unto God. And uh, and so we do this uh, twice a year, Mother's Day and right around Thanksgiving, but then sometimes if a child is not able to make one of the dedications, we always try to work around that and make another time. And so we had another one here on Father's Day. And uh, so we've got one little guy that's going to be dedicated to the Lord. So Andretti family, come on up, guys. And and, uh, those that you want to just stand with you guys, come on up. And let's just uh, welcome this family up as little Theo comes. Come on up, guys. Stand right here, his little handsome self. And uh, the family, feel free to take pictures. Come out of your seat if you'd like and get a better shot as we just do this. Look at him looking all sharp today and handsome and happy. This is little Theo, Theodore Luke Andretti, and uh, and he's just a handsome little guy. And so um, let me just read this, that God has established the home as one of the most vital institutions on earth. How many believe that? Before God started the church, he started the family. Isn't that important to remember that? God said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Since that time, God has blessed man and woman with the wonder of birth. So we take our rule of faith and practice for this service this afternoon from God's Bible. We find several accounts in the Bible of children being dedicated to God. In Leviticus, it was called, they would come and show their child to God. Samuel was dedicated in 1 Samuel chapter 20. Jesus himself was dedicated in Luke chapter 2. So we come here today uh, to not only dedicate little Theodore unto God, and to ask God's special blessing on him. But we also, and I love to do this, uh, to take this opportunity to challenge mom and dad to continue to raise their children and their child in the way that they should go, uh, living and being a child of faith. And so, River of Life, this is our role, we stand ready to assist these homes in every way that we can to properly teach this child and help the parents to teach the child to live the life to the fullest. It is this, when they reach the age of being accountable for their own actions, that they will personally accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then they will be ready for Christian baptism and to follow Jesus' grace to do it. To be responsible to raise our parents to do their best with God's grace, and he does give us the grace to do it. To be responsible to raise our child to be not only brave, courageous, and smart, but also to be children of faith. Amen. And so uh, we do that, and we just want to pray a blessing on them. And I'm just going to ask my wife to come here. She's already here. Amen. 
Got a little anointing oil here. And we want to just anoint little Theodore right now. And Jesus, look at that. Uh, when, yeah, he's used to my voice when she carried him as a baby. Uh, she, she said, actually, some, I get loud sometimes. Uh, and so some, some people take their kids out of the church, you know, and uh, he preferred to sit here because he actually calmed down when he heard my voice. And so when I held him for the first time, he just looked right at me. He was like, ah, I know that voice. That's pretty cool. And so I'm just going to anoint little Theodore right here in Jesus' name. And me anoint mom and dad. Don't you love this family? Won't you reach your hands this way? And let's agree and pray uh, over this family. Father, we thank you. For little Theodore, we acknowledge that he is a gift from you. And God, he's a gift not only to Lindsay and Alonzo, but Father, you've blessed the whole family and so many others, even in the church family, with this little man. And we just dedicate him back unto you, God. We acknowledge he is a gift from you, and we just give him back to you, God. And Lord, we just pray for your blessing to be on him, your anointing to be on him. Lord, help him to, to come to know you. We pray that he grows into be a mighty man of faith and a mighty man of God. Father, that his anointing would be over him. Protect him. Keep him safe, Lord, we pray. We pray for mom and dad, Lord. God, give, continue to give them the grace and the courage, Lord, as they live a selfless life and demonstrate your grace in their home. Let their home, Father, continue to be a sanctuary for this family. We pray a blessing on them. Help them, Lord, to raise this child. And I just bless them. Lord, let your spirit and your anointing, Lord, just dwell in this family to be a testimony and a witness to all others. And I thank you for them, Lord, and I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Amen. 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 That is awesome. Amen. God's good, isn't he? I love family. I love what God is doing. All right. How many is ready for the word? How many men do we have ready for the word? I, I got a word today that I want to give to our men. Ladies, I'm sure you're going to get something out of it. Anytime the word is preached, everybody can get something out of it. But I want to speak to our men today. Uh, and so you can stay seated. Normally we stand for the word. So go with me over to 2 Samuel 23. Uh, and by the way, uh, those of you that, guys that didn't get a book, which is most of you, we do have a gift for the guys on the way out on the back table there. Just a little something for you to, to have. One of them is a bookmark. I hope you use it uh, in the word. Use it for your Bibles or for books, if we even have them anymore. I know we got electronic books. So, uh, in fact, boot your Bible up if you have it or open it up to 2 Samuel 23. I want to talk to us men today, and I title this message is The Making of a Man of God. The Making of a Man of God. And uh, it's going to take me a minute to get there, but this chapter, and if you're taking notes, you can write down 1 Chronicles 11, and it's also a, a record of these same men. This is the chapter where it gives us King David, King of Israel, a list of his uh, toughest warriors and their achievements. Uh, I want you to know that King David uh, was the king of Israel 
Uh, he was the greatest king of Israel. Listen to this. They never lost a battle under his administration. He had one of the, Israel was one of the most powerful nations on planet earth in the ancient world. And uh, out of his big, mili- David was a fighter. He was a militant man. He had uh, not only a big army, but he had a group of about 300 men in his military that were like the Navy SEALs. They were 300 uh, of them, and they were just ruthless. They were notorious. They were like uh, just no nonsense. To, they were bad dudes, okay? Um, and they're listed here in this chapter, and then chapter 11 of First Chronicles he gives us another uh, list of these men. And I got to thinking about this, how we love heroes, don't we? I, I just kind of looked up some things. And the greatest movies, the biggest movies in our entertainment uh, has been superhero movies. You guys know, you guys been there. And uh, in 2019, the number one movie so far has been The Avengers Endgame. I uh, just looked up last year, 2018. It was Avengers again, Infinity War and Black Panther. Uh, 2017, it was Star Wars, The Last Jedi, and Wonder Woman. Look at the ladies. I mean, lady, how many ladies are here? How many super women are here? Amen. Ladies are getting in on it. I mean, we just love these big movies. We love these big heroes. And, and what is a hero? A hero is simply someone willing to fight against evil. That's all it is. It's someone willing to, to not just stand by and watch something. Watch, uh, what is the saying that the only thing evil men need to triumph is for good men to be silent? And, and so all, all a hero is is someone that says, you know what, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight for what I believe. And I'm willing, willing to fight. Well, I want you to know the whole Bible is filled with men and women that did just that. And they weren't perfect people. They were just people that were willing to say, God, use me. I'm, I'm willing to stand up and to do my part into fighting against evil. These are the heroes of the faith. These are heroes in history. Uh, and here is David's, David's men, and if I had time, I'd read that whole chapter to you. It's just loaded with, with awesome stories and awesome men. You'll read about the first guy is Andino, which no one would make fun of any of these guys' names, by the way, okay? Andino uh, is a knight. He was named that because he killed 800 men at one time. Now, this is a very militant time and culture, very barbaric and, uh, and so, he, he, but this one dude, this one man killed 800, and his name was Andino, the Esnite, which means the man that sits in the seat. In other words, he's the man. He's the man that sat in that seat. No, no one messed with him. Killed 800 people with one man. You would read in this chapter another guy named Benaniah, who killed the champion of Egypt who was seven and a half feet tall. Now, we know giants were on the land uh, in those times. We've heard of David and Goliath. There were many giants from Genesis chapter 6. It tells us about the giant race and very large men. This was a champion that Egypt had. He was seven and a half feet tall. The Bible says he had a spear like a weaver's beam. And uh, Benaniah wrested the spear out of his hand and killed him with his own spear. Then he went on and he defeated two lion-like heroes who were like these massive men, these, uh, the King James says spectacular men, this Benaniah then took them two down, and then the Bible says then he fell into a pit. They believe it's some sort of a trap. He went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. How was your week? I mean, this is one dude named Benaniah. I mean, this is one guy who, who was just ruthless. I mean... To take his knife out and, and, and kill a lion down. I mean, you read these, these stories and the accolades that these men did as, 
is astonishing. You'll read about Eleazar. Now, I like this guy because he's recorded for a man who attacked the Philistines. And it doesn't say he defeated a huge amount of people. He's known for this. He's known for a man that he continued to fight even though his hand grew weary and his hand stuck to the sword. In other words, they had to pry the sword out of his hand. Let me just encourage us men. It doesn't matter on how big your battle is. God's just looking for some men sometimes to just outlast the battle, just outlast the enemy, just stay there and continue to fight even though you're tired and you grow weary. doesn't have to be, you know, killing all these people and all this stuff. It's just that. Then I want to bring us to verse 11. This is for all of us men today. Tells us about a man named Shammah. Everybody say Shammah. That even sounds bad, don't it? It says, and after him was Shammah. He was the son of Agi, the Harite. Uh, The Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he... He stationed himself in the middle of the field. He defended it and he killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Look up, guys. This is what I'm here to tell you today. It doesn't matter. You're never going to kill a lion or 800 guys. And I'm not telling you go out and get a spear and go through your community and be some lunatic or fight anything like that. But listen, I'm not saying that. But I am saying this. We are all called, men, to be verse 12. And that is that. Station yourself in your field and defend your field. To stand in the middle of your marriage. Stand in the middle of your family. And I love it because it's a field of lentils. It didn't say it was a very expensive uh, field of barley or of wheat or something that was we consider valuable. So here's the thing, guys. you got to find value in whatever field he has placed you in. I said, you got to find value in whatever field he has placed you in. Well, Pastor Eddie, I don't even have a family yet. Well, you need to find value in your singleness. Find value and learn to honor God and be a man of God in the season of life that you are in. That's good preaching. Come on, you, you can clap. Help me. I know i got a suit on. That's different. Maybe some of y'all agree. You hear something that's good, you need to amen me. Help me this morning. Amen. We are a hollerback church. Amen. You guys know that. But anyway, you need to, I love it. He just simply stationed himself and he fought for those lentils. What's, who even likes lentils? Anzo, <laughs> some of you do. But he stationed himself. In other words, he said, hey, this may not be valuable for you, but it's valuable enough for me. And guys, I'm just saying here, man, find value in whatever season you're in, whatever you've got going on in your life, and be willing to fight for it. Station, everybody else ran, but he positioned himself and he said, I'm going to fight for this. And God brought a great victory. I want to tell all of our men today that you can be a man of God. You can be a man of God. I say that to you because when I first became a Christian, I was 25 years old, young guy. And I remember when I first started making that change and serving God, I was at work and we were loading a truck and I'll never forget it. We were there and I'm talking to the rest of the guys and we're just talking about, I was talking about the weekend and how I've changed my life. I'm going to church now, you know, and it's been, it's been so different and I'm just going on. And there was an older guy there, a guy who I respected. He's been in the, in the company for years. Everybody respected this guy and uh, he's an older guy and we're loading the truck and he's just listening to me talk. And I'll never forget that he walked over to me and he looked at me in the eye and he whispered to me and he says, you 
you ain't no man of God. He looked at me and he said, you can't be no man of God. You ain't no man of God. No one else heard it, but I heard it. Let me tell you what I did. It hurt. It hurt me. I began to send, think about that. I mean, someone can say something at the right time and man, it just get into your mind and just end up, you be thinking about it over and over again. And, it's, and pretty soon I begin to think like, yeah, I can't do this. If they only knew what I used to do, who do I think I am? I can't serve. And all this begin to get into my mind and just fill my mind. But I tell you what, I begin to give that thought to the Lord and I begin to meditate it on the more, more and more. And let me tell you what God did with that thought. God began to take that thought and you know what it did? It began to challenge me. Something began to rise up within me and say, man, I'm going to prove that old dude wrong. By the way, older people are supposed to rejoice when younger people turn their life around, right? And, and, and so this guy looks at me and looks at me and says, you can't be no man of God. And man, I, all of a sudden, I begin to feel this little fight raise up within me and say, you know what? I'm going to do everything and anything I can to prove this guy wrong. Let me tell you, sometimes you need a critic in your life. Sometimes you don't need to be around everybody that's always on your team. Somebody, you, sometimes you need someone to stand up and say, I don't think you're going to do this very well. You need a little pushback. You need somebody that's going to critic. You need a critic sometimes in your life. David had a man that was his biggest critic for 20 years. He followed him around and says, you can't be no man of God. When he went to go fight Goliath, read it, and Samuel, he came and saw his mentor, his father figure, looked at him and said, you can't defeat this giant, for he's been a champion since his youth, and you are just a youth. In other words, what you think you're going to do? And then he tried to put his armor on him. In other words, yeah, okay, I'm going to have faith in you that you're turning your life around, but I want you to do it like I do it. I want you to do it like my church does it. I want you to do it like we do it. How many of you got to serve God for your own self? you got to serve God the way God's called you to serve him. Oh, this is pretty good at 1130. And David said, I can't fight with your armor. It's not been tested for me. And he threw the armor off. He said, give me what I'm used to. Give me my little sling and my little shot, my little rock, because I took a lion out with this. I took a bear out with this. Give me something that I've tested to be true. And he ended up becoming great and began to fight his own battle. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You've got to walk this walk by yourself. I will say it like this. Every person has got to serve Jesus for yourself. But you can't really serve God by yourself effectively. You do need a community of believers to come around you. But don't be surprised if God will raise up within that community of believers somebody that you don't really get along with all the time. And don't run to another group. You just need to stay there and watch God work through that because he needs to work some fine edges off of us. Oh, this is pretty good preaching today. And say, hey, I need to do a little work in your life. And in order to do that, I've got to get you around some other people. And so that word that he said to me when he looked and said, you can't be a man of God, it it challenged me. And something inside of me rose up and said, man, I want to prove to you that I can live like this. I can live for God. I want to prove to you that I can can honor God. 22 years later, became an ordained minister, now pastor in the greatest. I think it's pretty good, dude, wherever he is. That's the same way with you and I, but we got to have somebody that's, that's willing to speak that into our life and for us to say, okay, God, two things I want to give you today that I studied this, these men and the only thing I found that they did that caused them to rise to that elite team was two very simple things that I want to tell our men here today in order to become a man of God. This isn't deep. This isn't some new revelation. This is two things that, that I found in David's men. 
And number one would be this. I tell our men, men, we must get connected with the right people. Men, you got to get connected to the right people. That, that's a world of difference in our life. And you may be hearing this story and you say, oh, Pastor Eddie, I don't really relate too much to that kind of, uh, those warriors. I never really had a father figure in my life. I never really had no one that mentored me. I, I've made a lot of bad choices and mistakes, man. I got, my family is so messed up. If you only knew how, how broken I am and, and all the bad decisions I've made as a father and even before a father, if you only knew that, man, you would not be preaching that message to me today. Well, I love the Bible because the Bible does just that. The Bible gives us the after picture, but the Bible also gives us the before picture. And I just want to show you what these mighty men looked like before they connected themselves to King David. The Bible says these warriors, these are the Navy SEALs. These are that Benahiah dude, remember, that killed the lion? You remember the other dude that killed the 800 men? These warriors that never lost a battle? This is where David Found them. I love the Bible. The Bible says it like this. And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontented, they gathered to David so that David became captain over them. And there were about 400 men that day that came to David. These are the warriors. I want you to see what this is. When, when he says they were in debt, that means your word was everything in that ancient world. No one did a, a karma credit card uh, check on you when you went and, and tried to do something. No, there was no credit background. Your word was your credit. And so when you got in debt, you, that means you were a person that didn't have honor. You, you were a person that didn't have integrity. You were, a, you were a person that couldn't be trusted. You were a person that made some bad choices and some bad decisions in your life. And I love it because God never picks people the way we pick people. God says, man, I know you made some bad choices. I know you messed up. And I know you ain't been perfect. I know you've, made, you've got a lot of past in your back. But if you will just get connected to the right people, I can begin a new work in your life right where you sit. I don't care if you're 16 or you're 60. If you will just give me your life, bring your brokenness to me. Bring your mistakes to me. Come on, bring your past to me. And let me get in your life and begin to work a masterpiece out of that brokenness. Come on, somebody. That's good preaching for you. That's the Bible. Everybody God picked. They were somebody I wouldn't pick. They were people that we wouldn't choose. They, they, they were broken. They, they had debt. They were discontented. In other words, they didn't know what they wanted to do in life. They didn't know what their purpose was. They see somebody do it. Oh, I'm going to be like that. I'm going to be like this. Everybody's doing it like this, so I must do this. And they were, they were doing, when you're not, when you don't know your passion, when you don't know your person, your purpose, then you end up are discontented in life. But all these men gathered to David and they connected themselves to David. You got to connect ourselves with the right people. One of the biggest things that I, I've been mentoring for 22 years, been a youth pastor for 11 years. And you know when I really see someone when they really make that break and really begin to serve God and I go, that person's going to make it, is when they make a break from the old friends. I don't care if you highlight every scripture in the Bible. I don't care if you download River of Life podcast until the reminders drive you nuts and you turn it off. I don't care if you memorize the entire Bible. Until you break away from the company that is not going in the same direction, the Bible says that it will not lead to a good place. It will hinder you and stop your growth. You don't believe me? The scripture says this. Do not be deceived. 
Bad company corrupts good character. Come on, somebody. Don't get quiet. And I love how he says, don't be deceived, because that's for all of us that said, he's talking about you, not me. I can do it. And listen, I'm not talking about you got to get saved and look at your friends at work and throw a Bible at them and say, you're all going to burn in hell. That's not what I'm talking about at all. You can look at your friends and say, look, man, I love you, and, but I'm heading in this direction. I want to be a man of God. And if you're going to be on my team, then you can come with me. If not, I love you, bro. I'm going to be praying for you. But we're going to have to go from friends to acquaintances. Because that obviously, you know, God will bring people in your life for a season. And those, those people in that season, God will use in that season. But there comes a time when you go into that next level, into that promised land. Some people were never meant to go into that life. If you watch a painter paint a building, he'll bring the scaffolding out. And the scaffolding helps him get on one level. And the scaffolding will help him paint one side of the building. And then he's ready to go up higher. And he'll get another set of scaffolding. And he'll get up and he'll go up a little bit. He completes. Now he's got a new level, a new scaffold to go a little bit higher. And he'll continue to do that until he completes the whole house. And then after the job is done, he'll walk away, pack the scaffolding away, and put it away. Because it's no longer there. Life is just like that. There are people, I love them. I don't mean this in a bad spirit. But there are some people, God will send into your life and will build around you, but they can only take you so far. They can only take you so far. They can only take you to the place that they themselves have been. And there comes a time when God says, I love you, man, but it's time to put the scaffolding away. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character. You hang around people that lying, you're going to lie. You hang around people that gossip, even in the church world. How many know not everybody in church is saved? Just look straight ahead. I know you have a river of life. How many know everybody? I thought when I got saved at 25 years old, Melinda and I started going to church, man, I got on fire for God. He brought me out of drugs and alcohol and, and partying, man, and I was, I was wild. And here I'm coming to church, man, and I just had a passion for Jesus. And I was like, man, I just want to do whatever you want me to do, God. And I was worshiping like, whoo. I looked around. I thought everybody was at that same level. I told my uncle, who's been a pastor forever, and I said, hey, man, I thought everybody was on fire for God when I came to church. He looked at me, smiled, and said, man, you got a lot to learn. <laughs> and I said, man, there's not. So I had to learn that, hey, man, you got to go after God. You got to connect to the right people. You hang around people that party and stuff, that's going to happen. You hang around people that, that, that lie. Like I said, all those habits will begin to filter on bad. Don't be deceived. He says, don't be deceived. Don't think it won't happen to you. Don't think you're strong enough. Yeah. Samson was the strongest man in the Bible. Literally the strongest man in the Bible, but he had a little problem. He liked to flirt with sin. How many going to give me 20 minutes? I didn't even plan to go here, but I got to go to Samson. The Bible says Samson would put his hair in the lap of Delilah. And she would say, well, what is your secret to your strength? And he would go, and the power was in his hair. And he would, first he would say, if you tie me with fresh ropes, I would lose my strength to become like any man. The dude wakes up, and she tied him down with fresh ropes. And he's just like, what? He breaks the ropes. And says, you almost got me that time. And he's dumb enough to go back to her. I never understood Samson. Strong. He wasn't the brightest guy. You know what I'm saying? He was big and strong, but he was the dumb. How many people know people like that? I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> he goes back to her and she lay, he puts his head in her lap again. She begins to play with his hair. And she says, tell me if you really loved me, you would tell me the secret to your hair. And he goes, okay, if you tie fresh ropes into my hair. Notice he's getting closer. I'll become like any man. He falls asleep, wakes up, and she tied his hair down with ropes, and he's stuck. And she calls the Philistines, said, we got him. They come in from every door, and Samson rips up and rips that ropes out of his hair and defeats the Philistines. 
And she's like, whoa, dumb guy goes to her again. Goes right, she must have been really fine or something. I don't know what my boy's problem was. He goes right back to her. Some people just never learn. You should have swiped a long time ago. Go right back. I mean, you know, here you go. Here he goes right back. She, and now she's playing the victim. Look at you lie to me these three times. I'm so hurt I'm the victim. You don't love me. Samson, big and strong, but like, yeah, you're right. He puts his head in her lap, and she begins to play with his hair. Gives him his favorite food. Plays his favorite song. Put the mixtape on. Somebody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of mixtape. What, a drink? I don't understand. Barry White, come on before you turn on. <laughs> Your Bible, it don't say that. That's my version. He puts his head in her lap. She cuts his hair off. This is the thing. I hated that story as a child because I love to hear Samson, undefeated champion of God, taking the gates, iron gates, and running them up on a hill just for fun. I mean, read the story of Samson. It's amazing. And I remember as a little kid, my Sunday school teacher, she would tell that, Miss DeJesus would tell us that story. And I would go, no, Samson, don't do it. And the Bible is very blunt and very clear to warn us what happens when you get a little bit close to sin and you play with a little bit of compromise, just a little bit of this on a weekend, just a little bit of this. What happened? He woke up like he did before. The Philistines ran in. And the Bible says he shook himself like he used to do but he realized the spirit of God had departed from him that scares me I know it messes with your theology theology and but that story is in there he looked at the Philistines they took him down they burned his eyes out and they put him and they would bring him out at their parties and make fun of the man of God come on preach to us preacher <laughs> as they worship their gods telling you today we got to get serious with the presence of God and want to guard the presence of God. Don't be deceived if Samson can be taken down. Men, don't be deceived. We also can be taken down. I want to give you this one more. There's an article that David, this Dr. David McKellen from Harvard University, he concluded 25 years of his research. Listen to that. That's a mouthful. 25 years of research from Harvard University, and this is what the man says, the choice, everybody say choice, the choice of a negative companion was in itself enough to condemn a person to underachievement in life and failure. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, how gifted you are, how many degrees you have, how accomplished you are, how good looking you are, what side of the tracks you were raised. It doesn't matter any of that. This study and the word of God simply says this, that if you choose to hang around with the wrong people, it will limit your ability to achieve and even cause you to be failure. Let me say it like this. The Bible simply says, if you want to change your life, sometimes just simply change your friends. Men, I want to help you be a man of God. Love on them. You don't have to, you're not better. And you know what, that's, that first eight months at my job, the best friends I had, I used to eat lunch with these guys. Man, I couldn't believe some of the things they said. One young guy said to me, looked at me, and as he's loading my truck, he said, yeah, I heard you're going to church now. And I was like, yeah, his first thing he said to me, you know, you ain't better than me. 
I mean, you have coworkers like that. I worked at a place in, it was in Hazel Park, and it was a great job. But I was like, wow, dude, for real? We used to hang out. And I, and I no, you don't have to say it like this. I wouldn't say very long. And I said, yeah, but I'm going to the, a better place. <laughs> you answer however, I wouldn't say that long. Anyway, and, uh, but I, after I stayed there, God began to do a work in my life, and I was able to press into God. And this is the second thing that I wanted to show you. In First Chronicles, it tells us a little secret about these mighty men. It says that these mighty men did this. These men strengthened themselves with David in his kingdom. Let me say it like this. Men, we must own our own development. That's going to be one of the most important truths that you'll ever hear on being a man of God. These men, they were busted and disgusted. They made bad choices in life. I just showed you that. They were all messed up. But they came along, David, and they said, David, I want what you have. And I'm going to connect myself to you. But this is what David said. David said, I can't do everything for you. you got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. Let me tell you what working at a place environment like that when I first got saved did to me. It did, those, it, it did that. It forced me to get into my word. It forced me to either have a pity party and run back to the world, or it forced me to dig in and get into the word of God. You gotta, you gotta own your own, your own development. You gotta, you gotta get into your work. I didn't have many mentors when I got saved. I went to a mega church. There was five thousand people at our church. I didn't, but I didn't get into any of those those groups. I couldn't. We just didn't get in there. I had one mentor in my life, and he was my dad. He would speak into my life. And I would come home from work, and we'd go over there, and we drove him nuts. We were there so many times, almost every day. And he would just, what are you reading in the Bible, Eddie? And I would tell him what I'm reading. And, and he would say, okay, you got to get into a little bit more. Where are you at now? And, 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 and as I began to, to do that, a hunger for the word began to spark in my life. It would have never happened if I just sat out there and just expected God to do it. I, I told you guys about uh, Karan Reed. He's an NFL player that got drafted for the Detroit Lions when he was here uh, he was talking, I got to talk with him about his habits, how he got drafted. And he's still, he's a defensive tackle. So what he does in offseason is he will train with Ndamukong Sue. And they even call him Little Sue. He's kind of built like Ndamukong, but he's, uh, he's not as big. And uh, anyway, he's, uh, they call him Little Sue. But he says, he says, I could sit in the, in the film room and watch football film until my eyes glaze over, until my brain is, is numb. But when I, what I've really learned is when I'm able to sit next to him and I'm able to watch how he gets in that stance, how, how he's able to come around the corner, how he's able to read plays. He said, I, I've watched what he does. He's connected to the right person. He says, then I, I went home and I'll get in front of my mirror and I'll look in my mirror and make sure I'm standing the way he's standing. And I, I, I want to make sure he's, I work out the way he works out. And when everybody's out on Friday night, I'm in the weight room. I, I'm watching what I eat. What's he doing? I'm, he's saying, I'm putting in the work. I'm I'm putting in the work to get to the place where I can be recognized in the NFL. Let me tell you guys, it's the same way spiritually. You just don't grow in your faith. You just don't become a mighty man of God. It just doesn't happen. Nobody in the Bible it happened like that. You got to get into your word. I just want to challenge us today. You got to get into that word. You got to learn to press through. You got to learn to fast. You got to learn to pray. You got to learn to hang out with the right people. You got to learn to lift your hands and worship. Come on, somebody. You got to learn to open your mouth and say, God, I love you. I believe in you. 
Now listen, I'm pretty radical. I'm pretty wild. You don't have to serve God the way I serve God. This isn't Simon Says. That's why we got so many different churches. I used to be against that when I first got to say, why is there so many churches? And God said, because I got so many different people. And we got to realize we're all on the same team. Now, y'all love this style of ministry. That's why you're here. And many do, and God's adding to our church, and I thank God for it. But some of you, I scare you. I'm a little too loud. (laughs) Music, whatever. I don't care where you go. I don't care how you worship. You don't have to do it like me. I just pray you worship. Because the Bible tells us to do that. The Bible tells us to grow in our faith. Paul, a young, an older man, and I'm starting to close with this, and then we're going to go home. I know guys want to go eat. How many guys are having steak today? Come on. How many's having two steak? How many's having one big steak? Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Bunch of vegans? What's up? Ain't nobody eating steak? Lying. Probably ate last night. No. Amen. I'm going to get you out of here in just a minute. <laughs> oh, I just offended anyone that's eating healthy. Amen. Amen. Paul says to young Timothy, he says, hey, he says, pursue. Put that other one up there. It's coming. You're coming. Here we go. But you, O man of God, not everybody's going to live for God. Have you found that out? Jesus said it like this. Broad is the gate. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Everybody goes in it. But straight and narrow is the way that leads to life and only a few. I wish everybody would. I wish I could run through Walmart and just touch people and they end up getting on fire for God. I would be going to Walmart right now. I'd start pushing some of you first. No, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't you go home to your family and touch your family? I wish it worked that way. Let me just say this and then I'll really close. The Bible describes heaven. I've been reading a lot about heaven. I've got a lot of people in my family and in my circle that seems to be struggling in their health and the older you get it's like it happens more when you're young when I was a youth pastor I never preached on heaven are you kidding me what you live forever right but now I'm starting to look at it and the Bible talks about heaven being a place of no sadness no sorrow no pain but you know what also says it says heaven is a place for people who love God And Paul said it like this, Jesus will return and give a crown of righteousness to those who love God. You'll find a theme. In other words, the only people that really go to heaven, it doesn't matter if you're Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic, all this, the ones that really go to heaven are simply the ones that love God. So here's the thing. You know what's so frustrating about love is you can't make nobody love you. It's not love. We know that, right? You can't put a gun to someone and say, love me. It's not love. It's got to be willingly given from your heart. And that is the only thing God does not have is our willingness, our heart. And so how is God going to have an eternity in heaven with people who just want to be there, who, who are just going to be living with no more pain, no more suffering? People are, he's going to do that by getting those that are wanting to go in this life. Simply put, Jesus, it's like God is going through life right now handing out Valentine cards, hoping to get one back. That's all it is, man. It's God all through life he's handing out. He's handing out Valentine cards today saying, hey, do you like me? If I get one back, and that's what life is, if I can summarize that in a, in a nutshell, that's really it. He's waiting for somebody to say, hey, I'm going to write you back. I'm in it. I'm going to connect myself to the right person. And I'm going to do my part because I'm going to own my own development. 
And we're all on different levels. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But the point is this. He said, oh man, pursue. Everybody say pursue. Pursue Pursue righteousness. You will not grow in your faith unless you pursue God. I don't care what church you go to, what name you are under, how long you've been coming to River Life. You can come here and hear preaching like this every single week, teaching like this every single... You can, you can do anything you can. But unless you as an individual pursue God yourself, you will not grow in your faith. Yeah. I'm just being plain with our men today. Men, let your kids see you read your Bible. Can I be practical for a minute? Then we're going to close. Let them just see you read your Bible. Let them see you worship and lift in your hands. At church, why do we lift our hands? The Bible says lift your hands. (laughs) And it's also an act of surrender. Sign up for life groups. Sign up for ETS this fall. We're going to run it again another semester. Maybe you went through it last year and you need to go through it again. If you feel a call to leadership, jump in there. And the goal of Christianity is not to be in leadership. It's not to be a preacher. You may never be a preacher, never be a pastor. I know I didn't want to be any of it. God has a sense of humor. But what we're all called to do is to further the kingdom of God. And you can do that by cutting the grass, being in River Kids, volunteering anywhere. Yesterday it was handing out bottles. It was making a float. Bob and Frank and the team made a beautiful float. We handed out 1,600 bottles of water. That helped further the kingdom of God. I see our brother Cardo back there. He's here today because last summer someone handed him a flyer and a bottle in, in Strawberry Festival. He's sitting in church today. You never know what people, how, people just need a, a, a step to get into church. Yeah, I love what your mom said. Your mom said when she was here, she said, man, I never knew church was like this. Yeah. She said, I'd be here every week if I could. Yeah. People don't know how good God is until we bring it to them. Yeah. Come on, let's stand. Let's, let's close out, fathers. And I want to end with this story. There was a, a young man getting his hair cut at a barber shop. And the barber was talking to the young man, and the young man said, man, I've been going to church, and God's been changing my life. And he's talking about God, and the barber looks at him and says, well, I don't believe in God. And the young man says, you don't believe in God? He goes, no, I don't believe in God. If there was a God, then why is there so much pain out here in the world? Why is there so much brokenness, so much messed up out in the world? And the young man is sitting in the barber shop, and he's thinking about it, and he gets up, he walks out of the barber shop. He looks down, and there's a homeless guy sitting in front of the barber shop. He's there all the time. He's got a little sign up asking for money. And the young man looks at him, and then he gets this idea. God puts something in his heart. He runs back into the barber shop. He looks at the barber. He's known him for years. He goes, hey, I don't believe you exist. And the barber goes, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, I don't believe barbers exist. He goes, why do you say that? He goes, because there's a man outside of your door. He needs a haircut. His hair is all long. His beard is all nasty. His fingernails are, are filthy. And he, he, he's, he's a mess. I don't believe you exist. And barbershop goes, guy goes, I'm exist. I'm here. And I know who you're talking about. He's out there all the time. All he has to do is, is come in. My door is always open to him. If he would just come in here, I'd clean him up. I'd cut his hair. I'd make him look just as good as you. So don't tell me I don't exist just because somebody needs a haircut out there. And a young man looked at him and said, gotcha. He says, you made my point exactly. 
There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of brokenness out there. But let me tell you something. That don't mean there's not a God. That just simply means there's a God out there with his arms open saying, if you would just bring your brokenness to me, if you would just bring your pain to me, come on, bring yourself to me. Bring all of your situations to me and sit into my chair. I may do a little cutting. I may do a little trimming. But if you would just bring me your heart, bring me your life, bring me all of your I'm not afraid of all any of your chaos. Bring it to me. I can handle it. I've cut hair before. Sit down in my seat. Trust me. That's the hard one. Trust me. And believe that when you get up out of this chair, you're going to look better than you came. But I need you to choose. Men, God wants all of the men that's in this building right now to be a man of God, a superhero to your family, to your children, some of you to your future family. You don't even have kids yet. It starts with two things. Connecting to the right person and stay connected. Find a church. If it's here, then get planted and stay here. Find a church. Stay connected to people that are going to speak life into your life. Secondly, own your own growth. Get in the Word. Do your work. And watch God begin to change your life. That's all I wanted to tell you today on Father's Day. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads. Father, I Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.